Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. Today, Kirk and I are going to talk about scaled credibility. Kirk, let's just go ahead. What, what are we even, where are we going with this, brother? Well, it's your term. It's one of my favorite <laughs> terms you've ever come up with. Yeah. It's, I, I like to call it a, it's a stallion of terms. I love it. It's got a thoroughbred, sorry. Um, it's got a lot of potential for us and, and advisors to understand the power of scaling your credibility and whether or not you're doing a good job at it, how important it's going to be in your business. And we're going to talk about all that stuff today. So this happened because of a sales call, which we're going to talk a little bit about later, but I have done, and I know you have too in your area, you know, I've tried to do credibility building in my community, but you know, I join networking groups and you know, you go to these events and you go to dinners and you go to, you know, drink events and it's so time consuming. And a lot of them are so hit or miss. Right. They, you might not be getting in front of your ideal clients. So the idea of being able to scale your credibility just seemed to be, well, one, unbelievably important to your business. But there's a lot of different ways that you can do it. Right. It's not just there's not one solution here. And if you're a, if you love going to networking events and shaking hands and kissing babies and going out to dinner and spending all of that face to face time, then great. Just do it. All right. Well, let's talk about. So how have advisors traditionally built credibility? So we I just talked a little bit about that networking events. What are some other ways that you have found from a traditional standpoint, Kirk, that, that advisors have tried to build credibility in their location? I guess the most prominent one is speaking, mm-hmm. um, client appreciation events, seminars, workshops, teaching classes. Like being on boards of directors, you know, that's another big one. I mean, those are those, yeah, those are really a lot of hard work. Yeah, I mean, you got to do a lot of work to get 50 people out to your seminar. Yeah. It cost you five to $10,000, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Um, can take a ton of your team's time. Those are a lot of work. And there's a lot of people who have had success with seminars, but they've invested a lot of money in their businesses. Well, they also have to be and good nothing at wrong it. With that. Nothing wrong with that. Right. It's, you know, it's stressful, I guess, a lot of pressure to perform. Um, but some people, if they've done, if they've been good at it and found a formula and been as efficient, um, they've built really nice practices. Yeah. Well, and they love it, right? I mean, so we, we've got a firm that we work with that that does, you know, three to four workshops a week, uh, and they absolutely love it. They get up in the morning, and they're super excited. Not not every advisor has that opportunity or, or that even feeling. But, like, boards of directors is another way that you've been able to build credibility by volunteering. But that can also be a huge time suck. I mean, you and I were just talking, Kirk, about how much time it takes for you to be a hockey dad, right? And so... You know, that gets you out into the community. Everybody knows who you are in a hockey perspective, but sometimes bridging that gap from hockey to business or mm-hmm. working for a nonprofit is is quite difficult. Yeah. I'm a dance dad now, by the way. You're both. Yeah. I, I'm waiting for the first dance competition. That's going to be a heck of an experience. I, I've walked through one at a hockey tournament and it was absolutely nuts. <laughs> but, 
um, at a hotel. Anyway, you know, I, I wanted to tell a story. I, okay. I kind of want to back up here for a sec, but one of my favorite stories about somebody who's bought into podcasting had nothing to do with us was the ideal of scale credibility. I don't know if I want to mention names, but they're a director of um, asset management at a large financial institution. Okay. And they were this, you know, from their words um, to us was traveling at least once a month to a big event, sponsoring it, getting the keynote. So once a month connecting with maybe somewhere between three and 500 people, I'm guessing once a month and a lot of work to do that. Maybe you're doing a couple sometimes. Actually, you may, this guy might've been traveling more than once a month and that's tiring. You're out of the office all the time. It's hard on your family. It's hard on you. Um, it's a big deal. There's, there's a fair amount of people, you know, in our countries, right. That do this kind of marketing sales and marketing travel. You know, that that's, that's how they do it. Mm -hmm. And this particular person reflected on what they were getting out of it, how much money they were spending, how much time they were away from the office, what it meant to their personal life, what it meant to their own, you know, well-being. And they just said, they just threw it all away and said, there's a, there's gotta be a better way. And they started a podcast four years ago hmm. and they're absolutely killing it now. They, they went through the, they went through the years where it was having an impact, but it wasn't turning into a lot, but it's turning into a lot now. And I'd say they've got, they've hit a lot of things perfect to make it do a lot, mm -hmm. but even a, even a, a, a decent podcast to a smaller audience is still going to have an impact sure, because it gives you an opportunity to do what we're talking about today, which is scale and credibility. And that's a different it's a little different. That's more than just scaling your credibility, I guess, because it was making your credibility more efficient to scale, I guess, as, a, as well, because the they were already scaling their credibility sure. just was a huge, you know, huge amount of time. And I'm not saying don't speak because we had a client I was talking to yesterday who said, I don't really feel like when I go speak, I get a lot of opportunities. But what happens when I speak is I post that stuff on my social media yes. and guess what? I almost always get a client after an event from my social media work because they, the, so much credibility was in the fact that I spoke at this event, Yes, which I thought was, you know, amazing feedback. Well, I like, bang on. I like the scalability big, you know, but I also like the opportunity that it's, it is way, way, way more efficient uh, so let's jump into that. So let's talk about how this can actually help your business because you just really teed us into this next section here. And the, the first thing is exactly what you just said there. It gives you something to say when you're looking at scaling credibility. You know, when that gentleman or that lady goes out and speaks, right, she's able to go ahead and repurpose that information and, and gives her voice, you know, amplification and also efficiency and scalability. So we're really hitting on all, all cylinders there. And it's interesting because what we're finding is when people say things like, follow me on LinkedIn, that's the new business card, right? People need to truly understand that your LinkedIn profile really, truly needs to be spot on 
has your keywords, your phrases, who you are, what makes you unique and different. That's that's where that goes. I still have people, advisors all the time and peers who are so fixated on getting and capturing an email address. I can't believe it. Yeah. I'm not saying you shouldn't capture an email address, but I would much rather have somebody on my LinkedIn than an email address. Yes. On LinkedIn, it's much harder to ignore you. Yes. Much more. And email, I'm telling you, all the people emailing me, it's pretty much, you know, if it's if it's an offer or a newsletter, I'm done. It's, it's not really, I mean, we still do it because there's some people who are still opening email, but I'm not. Yeah. So let's talk about that because, you know, and this is the other big piece of what it can do for your business. When I go on LinkedIn, I'm going on LinkedIn. I'm going on LinkedIn to look at stuff. So I'm I'm basically opting in, unlike an email, which I wake up in the morning and I've got 75 emails in my inbox and all I am is frustrated. I never feel that way on LinkedIn. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, we have a lady, uh, Kirk, and you and I have been following her stuff. Now she does these videos. She's a, um, she focuses on identity theft for a financial advisor. She's got this great product and service. She posts the funniest videos. They're awesome. And I, and I look forward to that, but I'm telling you right now, if she sent that to me in an email, I wouldn't, I wouldn't click on it. I just wouldn't. Is that too old school? Am I, or new school? Yeah. So we're, you know, you and I are, we're, we're, everybody's used to the, the tangents and there's usually value in the tangents, but you know, the, the question was how important is this to your, to your business? And I, I can answer for myself and I can probably give you some ideas, but you got to think about it. Yeah. Is scaling your credibility important in your business? Mm-hmm. Do you want, do you want more people to know about how good you are at your practice? Mm-hmm. You know, how much of an expert you are? You know, we talked at length about another podcast about you guys compete in the expertise economy and you need mm-hmm. to market like an expert and experts scale their credibility. Yeah. Now there's different levels of scaling credibility, right? But you talked, you know, we've talked about how advisors have developed it, but you know, how do you scale credibility? So I, maybe before we get into that, Matt, we should talk a little bit about what it can do for your business, and maybe you can start that off. Well, I, so I, I I would love for you to, it, as soon as I get done with this little, little nibbit here, I, I want you to talk about the sales call you had, because I think that's the perfect example of not just scalability, but also efficiency and, and just overall, you know, credibility. But- the idea of making sure that you're communicating to your ideal client in the medium they prefer while they're there is is the most important thing from a marketing shift that I believe has happened in the last 10, 15 years. And when you are learning to scale your credibility, that's part of the scaling process. It's creating content that is going to be there when you're not. So that's the difference between doing networking events where you have to be there and you're like, oh, I need to talk to to Jane. And then eight other people want to talk to you and you never get to talk to Jane. Well, that was a wasted networking event. Whereas this, Jane can go to your profile, your web page, your podcast, your blog, your videos, and start building a relationship with you while you're doing other things like your job, right? We hear all the time, Kirk, and I know you hear this is, oh my God, how much time is this going to take? Well, you know, if you learn how to scale it, it actually doesn't take a lot of time. And in fact, it can make you way more efficient and effective with your time management if you manage this on the front end. 
because of what happens on the back end. So I, I want you to jump into this sales call that you just had because you used some words that were awesome and every advisor listening to this podcast is totally going to understand. Yeah, well, the, the lead-in was, you know, that it short, shortens your sales cycle and nobody wants a long sales cycle if they can prevent it. And sometimes it's, you're doing all the right things, but you seem to be immersed in what I would call an excruciating long sales process. Mm -hmm. And the sales calls where somebody knows nothing about what you do, and they're not even sure they believe in what you do, those are excruciating. And I don't, I don't, I don't mind having them because I think every, I want everybody that I talk to, to feel like I care about their business and I do. But it doesn't mean the path that we're on, the conversation we're having, isn't something I um, I necessarily enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I, I suspect there's a lot of people nodding their heads right now saying, yeah, heck yeah. I mean, imagine being in a Ford dealership. This analogy hopefully works, but um, imagine being a, a, a salesman. And I, I don't like to think of myself as a salesperson, but I run a company and I introduce people to what we do. And that's kind of what it is sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and you walk in and you approach the salesperson at a Ford dealership and you say, look, I'm not really sure I need a car <laughs> and I have no idea what Ford offers, but can we talk about this? Mm -hmm. It's like that guy would look at you like, are you kidding me, man? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know where to begin, but there's a lot of literature on cars and there's a lot of literature on Ford in the media. And, you know, most people come in and say, I really like Mustangs. Is there, right. you know, what kind of Mustang can I get and what's the price and the package and, you know, all that kind of stuff, financing. It's more long. And when we have those kinds of conversations, like, Hey, Kirk, Matt, been listening to your podcast, listen to like 20 episodes. Mm -hmm. Really love what you guys are on to here. I think it can have a huge impact on my business. I don't know where to start. I'm not sure I need everything, but let's talk about it. Yeah. And anything, anything that's, I don't even know if I, I, I need a car, right? I have no idea about what type of marketing I even want to do because I've never really done much. I've just done this and it seems to have worked a little bit, but and I know it, that's not always true because you're talking to me and there's a sense of frustration and I know it's worked isn't really meaningful. Right. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Right. But what do you, what kind of conversations do you want to have with people? That's how important credibility is because the more you have, the more likely you are. And, and, and I, we can't ever, you can't ever get away from having a call like that. They're going to happen because yeah. somebody's going to hear you, you know, and they're just not going to do, they're just not the kind of people are going to do their homework. They're just going to be like, I just want to call you and talk. And that's how they want to run it. But those are not even, not even, you know, they're not even 5% of the, of the opportunities that we get. So I'm not concerned about it, but it was excruciating. Well, and for him too. Well, yeah, I was just going to go there. Right? Could you imagine how frustrating it would be for that person to have to spend an hour on the phone with you where they could have done 15 minutes of due diligence before the call and it could have been a 15, 20 minute call, right? Well, when we're talking about efficiency. That's another huge, it's not just your efficiency, but it's the efficiency in respecting the time of the prospect that's coming in. Yeah, but I mean, they would have spent more time doing their homework, but it could have been on their terms and yes, right, listening to a podcast, you know, reading a white paper, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I don't mind educating people um, a little bit further. That's fine. Or filling in some blanks that they might have because they might only listen to three podcasts, but not, you know, four or five and six that fill, you know, three other ones that would have completed their thought process. You know, another part of this too is inspiring referrals. Podcasting, as an example, is so easy to share that kind of credibility. When you scale your credibility, it usually means it's easy to share. And if it's easy to share, um, more and more people can do their due diligence before they ever talk to you. Yes. Because they, they don't, it's not like they're coming to your office saying, okay, I want to read the brochure. And when I'm done reading the brochure, you can, you can give me your sales pitch. It, it's not like that. It's just, I'm going to read your brochure. It's out into the world or your, your thought leadership, better way to say that, mm-hmm. uh, which is the new brochure, right? Yes. You know, people, I don't remember the last time I created a brochure for anybody, <laughs> thankfully, because when yeah. somebody asked me for one, it's usually a huge red flag. Yeah. I mean, so we have, uh, haven't, we have one, but I never send it out. And it's just for a rare case where somebody who's selling us, needs to better understand it was for right. them, not for us. Right. Um, Cause our, our podcast really, and our, and our website and our social media, that's, that's our brochure. Well, and our, and our freaking white papers and all of that stuff. I, again, yeah. we need to, we need to, in my opinion, focus this on the level of convenience, not just for you as the business owner, but for the person who, you know, potentially wants to use your services. When you have all of this stuff ever present and omnipresent and convenient, right? It just makes the whole process easier. And it, it, I love the car dealership analogy because people will then come in. They have a general understanding of who you are, what you do, what makes you unique and different. They've already felt like they've made a connection with you. So now the question you need to ask yourself as an advisor in this space is what level of scalability do you want, right? So Absolutely. So what are most advisors doing? Right. right. Most advisors, yeah. when they think about scaling, they're, they're maybe known to their clients and may some and more maybe known to their clients and prospects. When I mean known, I don't mean a newsletter that goes out once a quarter. I'm not sure that's known to your prospects. Right. Clients, right. So what more? But there's a little bit of work that's going into your clients knowing um, your credibility, uh, which really could just be meetings and client appreciation events and stuff like that. You know, prospects, you know, a little bit of work, you know, make it be known to them. But most advisors are in this place where they're not really competing in the expertise economy on a, on a level playing for like, Right. On a level that they're going to be able to continue doing. Well, in, in order for you to be known to your clients, too, you have to have a very clear message of who you are, what you do, and what makes you unique and different, which we've talked about that ad nauseum in many other podcasts and even with some of our, our recent guests but let, so that's most advisors, right? So, so we're- I, I'm, I'm, I kind of just put a challenge there in front of all advisors. Like I, I'd challenge any advisor to call, to, to have a conversation with me that would suggest that uh, marketing like an expert in the expertise economy is the only way to move your business forward. Hmm. I, I don't think you can avoid it. It's coming. Oh yeah. And unless you're uh you got location, 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 and you're just a commodity. But I don't even think that's that's going to work with with the, with the discerning audience, you know, nope. financial audience that is out there, right? 
It's it's not. Uh, I mean, again, we talk about rising above the noise. In in those situations, all you're doing is contributing to the noise and misinformation. You're you're not rising above and truly becoming a, a top advisor. So let's move to that level. So we talked about what most advisors are. Now let's talk about what we feel a top advisor does from a level of scaling. Do you want to take that? Yeah, I mean, I, and the, there's more than more than three levels likely, but it's a combination of these. But you know, being known to all your local COIs, um, and this is like a step up. So being known to your clients, prospects, and, you know, top advisors typically have a pretty big network of centers of influence. Mm-hmm. Most of the advisors that we work with who are uh, doing really well um, have that going for them. Yeah. And in a lot of those situations, the and or they're really known to the community at large. They have a really great uh, network. They're out in the community doing a lot of things and they're spreading their credibility. But there can be top advisors who are doing that well now who won't be top advisors down the road if they're not sharing their thought leadership. Yes. Right. You're going to you're going to sink down to most advisors pretty soon. That shift is coming. It's, it's already happening. Mm-hmm. I, we get we get advisors all the time who have had really great careers and I'll say, I don't think terrified is the right word, but they're definitely concerned about how they're going to keep this thing going. Absolutely. And they're going to keep growing. They do not want to be stagnant, but they've they've hit that. And, and in some cases, they've been there for years. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's occasional, there, there's ones too who are coming saying it's going really good, but I want to ramp this thing up. Uh, no messing around. I got a chance to do it right now. I want to go for it you know, get my thought leadership, scale my credibility. We want you guys to be come to us and say, uh, I want to scale my credibility, by the way. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear, you You know, everybody using that term. Uh, Micro-influence is the way to do it. That's the strategy of the tactic. Um, but the the, out, the outcome is scale credibility. And so that's really this next level. So the first level is pretty much standard, you know, the advisor down the street. The second one are advisors who have been doing well, right, who get referrals somewhat regularly from their centers of influence, and they're known within the community. But where we want to help you go with really great branding, really great marketing, really great content, and really great communication is this being known for your niche. So this is the micro-influencer stuff. So Kirk, let's just, I want you to dive into that. Is that all right? I I probably, if I was going to rename these again, I would probably have left top advisors for this last one. It's, it's the few, it's the fewer advisors. I probably wouldn't name that middle category. um, Not most, but maybe, do you know what I mean? I think most advisors, you know, there's, there's some advisors who aren't having success who are not really known to many people. There's other advisors who have, have had good success. They're, they're known more, you know, uh, broadly to their, their centers of influence and community at large. And I would say really it's the top ones. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if they're the top 5%, some, something like that, if that makes sense. So sure. maybe the 75, 20 and five. So these, so these, these top advisors are the ones who, who have what we've been talking about for forever, yeah. which is the niche. Sorry about the change, everybody. That's all right. But, um, we're working through scaling credibility as a concept, trying to make sure we explain it properly. So these fewer, we'll call them the top 5%, um, they're known for their niche. And that's not, a, not a lot of advisors can say that. And they're known for their niche in, in either in their community, mm-hmm. in their region, in their state, across the country, across the world. So I want to help differentiate. In your community, 
is not those might those might just be people who are really good advisors, but you know, not in the top five percent, if that's fair. So maybe I'd push that to the medium advisors, if we will, moderately successful advisors. But when we get to this in your region, so a larger geographic region, um, and or in your state, uh, it could be multi-state too. I get that that can happen these days, and does happen. But in your region, in your state, that's what we call micro influence. Mm-hmm. That's being known for your expertise with with your unique audience or your specific expertise with your specific audience in a specific region. That's where you can really hone in, dial in, find those people, talk to them all the time, share your thought leadership, and just keep going over and over again. And that is the that is the influence strategy that we've been hearing about for years. But the idea that an advisor can take something that seems so lofty or too lofty to even get started, can turn this into something on a micro method, now it's attainable. Now that's what I think us coining the the term micro-influence has really done for a lot of advisors and we hear it all the time. I feel like this is something I can actually accomplish. And it feels like this this is the level of scaling that suits my business. I can sustain this. I can get there. I can build momentum. I can work with the people who are most likely to want to work back with me, right? Instead of me connecting with somebody in, you know, Southern Florida and I'm in Oregon and there's no way this, you know, that, that you can still work together, but it's, it, there's other obstacles to making that happen. Um, that may not have been the perfect example, but I think everybody knows what I mean. Sometimes it's less, less difficult. This narrows all those obstacles and uh, barriers to entry. So if you're known in your region, in your state, for your specific expertise and with your specific audience, that's a beautiful place to be, right? Now, now for us, it's more country, um, you know, across the United States, really across North America, but we, you know, we're not a, a adverse to growing bigger, but our, we can, we can do that with how we operate. But, um, you know, this is what we want everybody to understand is the opportunity and what you really ought to be aiming for is to be known for your niche in your region and or your state. And for most people, I think it's the region. And that's an incredible place to be. The momentum you can create, the sustainability, how long you can grow. I mean, it's it's un- unbelievable. Unless you have a really obscure audience and you need to expand it you know, further. So we, that's where everybody's got to get to. Yeah. That is the new marketing. That's how this industry is changing. It's the expertise economy. And if you're not buying in, you're going to fall behind. Well, let's let's uh, let's give some kind of real world examples here uh, of of what we're what we're talking about and, and how all of this works. Uh, we, we've got a uh, four different uh, people who we have both worked I've with. Got, I've got three stories. I think you have one, yeah, unless have one. you know yeah. some of the, the stories I'm going to tell you. Can no, have. no, no. I I just uh, so no. I'll start I, with JK. I, okay, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. JK. Um, Nice practice, really clear what he value, thought leadership, uh, so much fun to work with because he's so engaged and so bought in. And by the way, this is a, an amazing example of relationship marketing. JK and I first met two and a half, three years ago. And he said, I want to work with you. I'm not quite ready. And I said, well, that's great. Let me know if I can help you get ready. 
And part of it was just the um, structure of the organization that he was working for. He couldn't use us, but they were expanding how their advisors could work. And he waited till that infrastructure happened. Um, but two and a half years and he never lost. And that was really when our podcast, it was really the whole journey of our podcast because our, our initial podcast, I think is what really grabbed him. So our whole journey of being podcasting for two and a half years, he, he was one of our first listeners. Isn't that crazy? It is. And he's, he's a fantastic client and he's having, um, early success stories. And one of the early success stories was that, um, an opportunity had come and he said, listen to my podcast. And they came back and said, we don't even need to, you know, just tell me where to sign up. I'm ready to go. The podcast, he leveraged the podcast early on with the prospect to shorten the sales cycle. And he said it was a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. And just think of how do you think that the person that experienced that is going to think more highly of him? Do you think they're going to share? You think they're going to be inspired to talk about JK? Absolutely. I mean, this is the way this kind of marketing works. It just, it just spins in your favor all the time. It's always working. It's omnipresent. Um, it's on their terms. It's got so many incredible uh, efficiencies and synergies to it, but that's just like an early win, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the momentum that he has, he just keeps getting more excited about it. And it's been so much fun. Um, I know you had a great story um, a month or two ago uh, about RJ or maybe more recent, but well, so what what ended up happening was a prospect had had called us and and said, "Hey, I want to talk to a couple of your existing clients." Um, and I honestly, Kirk, don't remember giving him uh, RJ's name, but I, I guess I did, or he found out that we had worked together and and he called him, which was which is amazing that RJ actually even took the call because the guy's crazy, crazy busy, and. Um, the 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 gentleman had said, well, I want to talk to you about ROI, you know, how much money you have going in and how much money you have going out. And he laughed and he's like, you're looking at this all wrong. And this is where this whole scaling credibility thing came. He's like, my credibility from just saying I have a podcast and my LinkedIn profile is so damn good that it makes me look so different than everybody else because everybody else is pitching free consultations. Here's my business card. What I'm doing is I'm showing right out of the gate that I am adding, contributing to the thought leadership for my specific niche because they have a very specific niche. And that changes the whole game for me. He's like, I don't look at this as as anything but a, a way to invest in my credibility. And when the guy called me back, he's like, wow, uh, yeah, so I had this great conversation with, with RJ, and uh, yeah, he really forced me to think about all of this stuff very differently. And I said, I'm going to use that. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to tell people about this because that's a, such a wonderful way to take a look at what, what we've built here, Kirk, because I don't think we realized uh, to be able to communicate it as succinctly of really what we've always wanted to be able to do when we started Top Advisor Marketing, and I think that's where we're at now. And and the JK story is a perfect example of that too. You're absolutely right. Guess what? That new client is going to tell everybody about working with JK because it was so convenient. It was exactly what they were looking for. And they cut down everybody's time to get exactly the service 
that they wanted for financial advice. Doesn't every advisor, when every advisor really says to us when they come to us is a lot of times I hear, especially the lead gen focused ones is I just yeah. want to talk to more people. Right. I don't think, I think that's half true and half untrue. Right. So I just yeah. gave an example 10 minutes ago of an excruciating sales call <laughs> for me and the, and the prospect, because yeah. we're talking about whether or not you want to drive a car. We're talking about whether or not you want to market, whether or not you even understand thought leadership. We're, right. we're not talking about, you know, is podcasting right for you or what, or is LinkedIn or what, you know, what specific strategies and, you know, um, that's not the kind of conversations I think any of our listeners really want to have, you know, I don't even sure I need a financial advisor. What do you yeah, mean? I know. Well, I've been thinking about this robo or somebody in my, in my branch, you know, there's a young guy in the branch, he, you know, he manages investments and you're like, really, we're going to have that conversation. Like if you're not bought into, you know, the comprehensive, I'll just use all the words everybody tells me, holistic mm -hmm. um, approach that, that we use and combining all these different, you know, opportunities, a, a full written plan, you know, bringing in other professionals, whatever it may be, you know, talking about your life, you know, having a, I'll, if we're not talking about all that stuff, then oh my gosh, it's going to take us weeks, weeks to get through this. Yep. Because I'm not going to do it justice. So you know that prospect's never coming back in. <laughs> right. Unless they, unless you say, look, go listen to these five episodes and let's talk. Yeah. What, what, what our team, we got to get better at, probably should have done is with the, with the person I spoke to yesterday, you know, really nice man. Sounds like he's got a good business, mm -hmm. but is, have you had an opportunity to experience, you know, what we do and how we do it and why we do it? Well, not really. Well, I really recommend listening to these, yeah. you know, core, you know, here's five episodes that'll really help you understand whether or not right for you. And this isn't about us selling to you. This is about you learning about marketing. Yeah. And so that you can have a better perspective. And part of the reason that we do what we do and you should do what you do is so that you educate people so they can make better decisions. So when they come in to talk to you, they have the, they know better questions to ask you. Yeah. They're educated on what a good financial, what comprehensive financial planning should be because you've talked about it in your podcast. And you've, so it's really, you're doing a disservice if you're having a sales call, honestly. Dude, I, one of the one of my favorite podcasts I ever did with one of our clients were the top ten questions you should be asking your financial advisor. Mm -hmm. And and he was like, "Why are we doing this?" I was like, "Okay, so so let's just let's go through the questions, and I, you're going to say why it's important to ask that question, and then you're going to say how you would answer the question." And so we that could, was you were doing a you were doing a podcast for a yeah for one of our client of, yeah. with a client of ours that's right yeah, for their for their audience yeah yeah thank you for clarification yeah. yeah that that yeah that makes a lot more sense and uh so we got done with the podcast he's like dude i'm sharing this with everybody i was like yeah that's the goal dude uh you're going to share this with everybody cuz not only did you just you framed all of the conversations that you want to have you already gave answers to those so when people come in they can say hey matt i totally understand who you are what you do and what makes you unique and different because I just listened to that one podcast. Now, obviously, you know, we want them to subscribe to the podcast and listen to a lot more of the thought leadership, but uh, I love that podcast. We've done it with a, a number of our existing clients because it's just such a great way for them to distill it. And I'm to very quick side tangent, then we're going to jump back into the stories. 
It also made him practice. And this is something that we don't talk a lot about on these podcasts about the scaled credibility and just overall marketing is when you're podcasting, you practice your talking points over and over and over again. And I forced this advisor to think about answering these questions in a very succinct manner. And now that has changed the way that he says stuff. And Kirk, this happens with you and I all the time. You'll say something and I'll be like, oh my God, dude, that was freaking brilliant. I've never heard you say that before. So there's a, there's a bunch of advisors who listen to us regularly and there's lots of new advisors who are listening to this, mm-hmm. right? And there's, you know, people listen here and there. So if you, if you hung on this long, send me a LinkedIn note and let me know if you like the term scale credibility, yeah. if that jumped out at you. I would, and, and I do get, I do get these texts. Hey man, that was really, that was really your best podcast. Yeah. And this little, I get some fun stuff from several of our people. Uh, not, not all the time, but, um, which is kind of fun because we're, we're talking here and, and they're, th- and they're listening and saying, yeah, yeah, that was me. Like, if you want to engage in conversation, we'll talk about you. Yeah. I don't give your name because yeah. I don't want everybody going to your, all the advisors going to your practice and, you know, looking at all your stuff because I've got some, some emails about that before, which were, Hey, you talked about my stuff and guess what? That's why we're using initials today. <laughs> so here's a story. Here's a story about JP. JP works with, I've told this before, but I'm going to tell it again. Um, people usually 15, 20 million and, and above family office. And JP told me a story about somebody that was referred, came in and says, I've been referred to you guys. I want to talk to you about what you do. He said, look, before you talk, before we talk, please go listen to these two episodes of my podcast. It'll really help you understand what we're about. And it'll be a lot easier for you to listen to that on your own terms than to, you know, me to go over it. So they, they went away. So first thing, somebody comes to you who's got that much money and you push them away because you're being professional. That is really, really confident and really uh, bold, but an amazing thing to do for, for everybody. Right. Because that call would have been excruciating. Right. So person goes back, calls back, I think it was later that day or the next morning, listen to them both. Oh my gosh, I had, I can't believe how amazing your process is. This is something I've, I kind of really always wanted to know somebody did it and I'm ready to come in and like, let's start talking about how to work together. Said, hold, hold on a second. I'm, I'm more than happy to, to have that conversation, but I'm having an, an, a client appreciation event. Why don't you come and, you know, meet some of the people that we're already working with and just kind of feel part of our family. And so just come up to that and then we'll, we'll talk about that next week. So they, they came to this event. He said, before he left the event, guy comes up says, I'm going to be a client. Tell me where to sign. Let's get this <laughs> stuff started. And just think of the power of that. That's the ROI. ROI your ROI, man, is scale credibility. And advisors are so... I, not so many, but enough are hung up on this idea of where ROI comes from. And it can only be this one form. And most of the problem is that most advisors don't track that or they can't attribute what they're tracking to real results anyway. Right. So shift your mind. Think about ROI as scale of credibility. Do do more. Can you not make more money if more people know about you? It didn't. uh, It's way more effortless. It shortens the sales cycle. Um, you'll be known um, in your region for your niche. Um, you, it's you're now omnipresent, and you're inspiring both the referrer and the referee to to refer on their terms, not yours. Mm-hmm. 
Would that work for you in your business? If there's anybody shaking their head no, then okay. I'd, be, I'd be surprised. But yeah, okay. <laughs> because it, it, it works. You just got to figure out how to get there the most efficient way yeah. in a way that's comfortable to you. So I'm going to give you another story about a practice that I worked with six years ago, I'm guessing. And five years ago, or just under, just under five years ago, I called them back to see how things were going because we did not do our Michael Influencer stuff. We weren't there yet. But where we were was we built a brand, built all kinds of credibility pieces. So we, I think we had a series of three white papers, uh, figured out what their process was, diagrammed that, gave them a whole new brand, new website, really changed the whole dynamic of, of their message, who, what they stood for, and how they communicated their expertise. And we made it a lot easier for people to absorb their expertise before being in a meeting. Now, we didn't scale the credibility to the level we're doing now. We're, you know, that was 1x. We're now at 100x, right? But even this one thing, building, having a better message, having some credibility or what I call brand depth on their site, made a huge impact. Here's the impact it made. These guys actually track stuff, which was wonderful. And I was really grateful that they did. And when I called this guy back, um, probably like 14, 16 months after we had implemented his stuff, he didn't want to do anything um, more than that, and or they didn't. Anyway, so the story is, is that they grew their referrals by 420% in one year. So they used to get 10 referrals and a, a year, and this, this particular year, they got 21. And the 21 were better, higher quality referrals. They were um, more ideal than they previously got. So you're thinking, well, that's not 420%. Then he said, well, one of the people who traditionally gave us five, about around five a year, we told, we asked them not to send any more referrals because they weren't our, they weren't the right audience. So it really was five to 21, which if you do the math is 420%. So I think, so that's a huge, or is it 440? Anyway, that, that's a big deal, right? And that was just from leveraging that within their, their existing network, telling their clients and prospects. They had a pretty closed loop, very, very closed loop um, niche um, where they were at. And, but it made a huge impact just doing that. Imagine if you can do that, or if you've already got that, then push your stuff out to, to a broader, to a, to a bigger, but niche audience through LinkedIn and, and other techniques, you know, it, it's huge. But you, you have to, I just don't want to say that, you know, podcasting is the only answer for everybody. There, there are other answers, but if you want to scale it and you want to do that at a much higher rate and a faster rate, you know, you want to expedite that, you got to figure out how you're going to do that. But these, these stories are about scaled credibility. That one was a little different. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was the real results from it, but, um, you know, we, it's very difficult for us to ask an advisor to go track everything because it's hard to attribute it, but scaled credibility, man, if you can't get your head around that, um, you know, it's going to be a tough mindset for you moving forward to be a top advisor. Yeah. Well, Kirk, dude, I thought this was fun and good information. I hope so. That was a long, (laughs) long, a long landing there, but that's all right. You know how it goes to me. It's full circle, dude. That was the whole goal of all of this. Right. Uh, so, 
here's what I want to I want to leave everybody with since since Kirk just summed that up really well. Just follow us on LinkedIn, right? Go ahead and, and if you do like this idea of scaled credibility, you know, either message Kirk or myself. We're very very active and very responsive on LinkedIn. Or you can email Kirk at Kirk at topadvisorm.com or me at Matt at topadvisorm. Don't email him. Uh, I'll still take the emails, I, I guess. I'm stuff. I mean, yeah, you can. Yeah. Anyway, the best way to reach us through is through LinkedIn. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, because so, I get worried about, you know, email not making it to the right place. Well, and I think that's one of the nice things about about using link, LinkedIn as a form on our top advisor marketing. That yeah, they can do that, too. Yeah. But check out our website. We've actually had a couple of new updates on the website. It, it's uh, it, it's even better than it was previously, which is awesome uh, and uh, easier to digest our information, which is always the goal. So thank you, everybody, for listening today. Uh, we're going to continue to bust out as many of these as we can to provide you with as much information as you can so that you can be the best marketer you can be. You can use your time efficiently. You can have more fun, not just with your marketing, but also in your career and also have more time. You know, kind of getting back to the cardinal tenets of who we are at Top Advisor Marketing, what we've created is we wanted to create something that we can do most of the work for you so that you can live the life that you've worked really hard to, to, to live. Um, most of you don't want to spend your time, you know, doing menial marketing things that are very, very important. That's what we're here for. That's why we love getting up every day and doing podcasts like this. So, Kirk, thanks for your time today, brother. And for everybody here at Top Advisor Marketing, guess what? We'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.